0: I am Suzanne Legrand, and this is The Shaman's Notebook. Today, my guest is energy healer, coach, trauma resolution facilitator, and founder of True Nature Healing, Shelley Harrison. Welcome. Hey, Suzanne. Thanks for having me on your show. I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what led you to become a healer in the first place.
1: I love that question, I I always get it. And then I always have to like, it's like rewind, let me take you back to (laughs) 30 years ago when once upon a time. um, So um, when I was in high school, I was very drawn to the arts and I I ended up in a high school that had a specialization in the arts and I did theater. And I, I just loved it. And all of the students, we were all so serious, right? We were all young budding sesbians. Um, So we're really into something called method acting, too, which method acting is like you must draw on your own deep well of emotional experience at the age of 19. (laughs) But I think for me that that passion that was sort of awakened at that moment was really about personal development work. It was really about, oh, wow, I'm really getting in touch with something authentic and real and very moving and that. And that doing that makes it more compelling for the audience when you're coming from an authentic place. So I was passionate about it and I thought that meant I wanted to be an actress, but uh, apparently the universe had other plans for me. (laughs) This is where the healing path started. I was having back pain in the area of my body that I now know is the back of my heart chakra. Um, But it was a bit of a mystery because there was no reason for me to have back pain. I wasn't super athletic. I didn't have an injury. It wasn't really any reason for it to be there. And what was really popular where I lived in Ottawa at the time was rolfing, which is a form of physical realignment work, working deeply on the fascial tissue. So I went and got rolfed and uh, it didn't do anything for the back pain. Um, but in the rolfer's office there was a poster up for Reiki and I don't know why I felt drawn to do that but there I was age 19 in my first Reiki class and that was what really opened things up for me it was like suddenly feeling the energy and I'm quite strong kinesthetically um, and just realizing oh my god this is this makes the whole world make sense it's all energy Um, and then just continuing to practice all the other, my peers in that class who were all much older than me, were just really encouraging and supportive and um, just encouraged me to practice. And I ended up doing a lot of exchanges with older students who had careers or who had other forms of discipline. And um, because my kinesthetic sense was so strong and because I just had that place where I naturally wanted to be very respectful of who I was working with as, you know, all your listeners out there who many of them have taken Reiki know, you are usually taught a very basic set of hand positions that you kind of follow and typically on the body, sometimes you go off. But because I was picking up a lot, I ended up just kind of following people's fields and sometimes I'd be way off the body and, and I was just really listening to their energy and I wanted to be respectful that way and all kinds of interesting things started happening. But what also started to happen was I was also getting very ungrounded because I had no context. I didn't, you know, I was listening and I was following, but I was also 19, uh, you know, hadn't done a lot of personal process work yet myself and kind of didn't know where I was in the energy field. And so that's when um, people kept encouraging me to read Barbara Brennan's books. And uh, this would have been, I graduated high school in 1991. So her second book wasn't even out yet. It was just Hands of Light, which was kind of a real pioneering book in the energy healing scene. And I remember I finally got around to buying the book. (laughs) And when I read it, I was like, oh, my God, I think I'm doing that. And that's a thing. And it's a technique. And she's got a word for it. And I was like, wow. So that's what eventually led me to study at the Barbara Brennan School of Healing and just kind of get grounded in all of that. You know, some people identify as gifted healers where they were born with the senses really open or they had some kind of key experience that really opened them up. That's not how I identify. I really don't feel like it's a gift. I feel like I'm very well trained, and you will get good at anything that you do for 10 hours a week. (laughs) The key is you have to love it enough to do it 10 hours a week, right? So, but I mean, we all are born with natural talents, tendencies, and aptitudes. And I think it's that that's who I am, as I like to connect deeply with things, with nature, with people. And what it was about taking Reiki or my first introduction to the world of energy that really turned me on was the communion. It was that deep level of communion with people that's really soul level, consciousness level.
0: You also studied plant spirit medicine with Elliot Cowan. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that.
1: Sometimes when you have a An inclination towards the spiritual certain books start coming across your path. And I I remember for me, it was probably age 14, Ruth Montgomery and past lives. And, um, but I also, that was books that came across my path when I was that young tended to be about first, we we tend to call it first nation spirituality in the United States. You tend to say native American indigenous spirituality, you know, earth connected spirituality. And I, I had such a longing to like, Oh, like Mary Summer Rain, I want to find a wise elder teacher to just like initiate me into this worldview, this way of deep connection and understanding. Um, and so, nature was always it for me too. I mean, I grew up running around in the fields, playing in my treehouse, and, and bless my parents for raising me in the country. Thank you. Um, you know, that was my my connection. I feel like my plant spirit connections go back to my buddies. I used to play with in the fields like, Hey, goldenrod, how's it going there? And I'm looking out the window at the queen Anne's lace and I played with them as kids. Right. I used to pretend to like make potions and lotions and crush berries. And it was just my play. But um, yeah, so I think going through the Barbara Brennan school of healing was a little bit of awakening of like, Oh, I'm a spiritual path. I don't know. I don't meditate. What is that? It was still nature connection for me. And I moved to the country to be closer to nature and I started becoming a hobby herbalist where it was like oh well, what's edible oh well actually oh it's medicinal too and then it was like oh the bodies of the plants oh wait a minute I want to harvest that plant in a respectful way so maybe I should talk to it first and ask it well how much can I take and is that okay and are you in the mood and what can I give you in exchange so I was very interested in communion with the plants on an energetic level, just like communion with people. Um, And I came across Elliot Cowan's book, Plant Spirit Medicine, and was able to study with him. And he is actually still my elder, and he still never fails to astound me with the simplicity of his wisdom. What blew my mind about studying plant spirit medicine is, you know, I was already a trained energy healer. I've been taught to observe the energy on like seven different levels of the aura at the Brennan School, but... When I would watch clinical demonstrations, which we did in class of people being treated with plant spirits, I'd be sitting back and going, What am I seeing? It was like, What level is that happening on? Like, I could see the whole field shift with the plants. I was like, Wow, okay, I'm impressed. But the way I perceive the energy field, I could discern a, just a whole, whole field shift going on with the plant.
0: It's really interesting to me that this path also led you to being part of a spiritual community. How is it that having a spiritual community, how is that important or, and perhaps necessary to doing healing work to have Mm. a community?
1: I love that question. You know, as a human being, again, those seven levels of the aura that is kind of the model through which Barbara Brennan teaches how our energy consciousness, our human consciousness, our life experience shows up and unfolds. You know, level one has to do with our physical sensations. Level two is our personal feelings and emotions. Every time we're having a feeling about ourselves, it's moving there. Level three is mental, mental level. Level four is relational. So as soon as we hit level four, this is the level where we're having energy exchanges in relationship. So to be nourished on this level, we need other people, (laughs) people and other relationships, whether that's with plants, animals, uh, you know, the mountains, the earth, humanity. And that that point never came home to me so strongly as actually when I moved into a really healthy community. It's the village of Wakefield where I live, which is just outside Ottawa. And I'd lived near it. But a few years ago, I lived right in the village. And It just happens to be just the right size somehow. And it has people who are very interested in community involvement that I could literally feel like when I would walk into the village and just meet people and be part of that. I was like, wow, that's what that is. This feels really nourishing. Like I feel held. So, and then specifically for healers, I think you need mirrors, And, you know, it's a really strong thing that was an aspect of the training at the Barbara Brennan School of Healing. We followed the supervision model, which is what most psychotherapists are trained in, which it just means you can't take others where you haven't been. And so you need mentors and you need people who are reflecting back to you your stuff. And I think one of the biggest things I learned from my spiritual community, which became the Sacred Fire community, which I was sort of introduced to through Elliot, is it's also like sometimes when you're in one of your personal human struggles, you're in your stuff. Sometimes just being one with one person and they're saying, "Yo, you're doing your stuff," and you're not believing them and it gets into conflict. But then sometimes if you have a whole community going, "Yeah, that's your stuff." <laughs> that you need that much mirroring to be like, "Whoa, okay, maybe I need to look at this, right?" And that can be a benevolent process. It doesn't have to be an attacking process, but it's part of it's part of how we learn, you know?
0: Have people in your community been able to deal with some of the challenges of the pandemic differently because they had a strong community? Um,
1: the deprivation from social interaction, it's like malnourishment, right? And you know, I think my my community, you know the community of Wakefield and my people up here, we suffered from it too. We still we had to socially distance. we had we had lockdowns. What I noticed financially, that people found it hard. I mean, we have a favorite local bar, that's our local watering hole. And it's like our second community center. And we know them. So when lockdowns happen, I mean, we have a Facebook group, and we're like, Hey, you guys, what do you need? We raised $10,000 in five days for them, because that's the kind of community we are. And if there's enough people that just give a little bit to be like, hey, your rent's paid for however long you need, we'll keep you afloat. Like there was that kind of like, trying to spread the resources around and trying to take care of each other that, that it's harder for that to happen when the community is too big, right? That's why I say it seems to be, needs to be a certain size where you, you have actual relationships with each other, where there's the care and the knowing of one another that you will go that extra mile. You need the face, right? You need the relationship that moves your heart to be like, yeah, I'll find that hundred dollars for you, you know? And this is how it was when we used to live in healthy Indigenous communities, right, is community gives you a place to offer your gifts and also to receive back from, right? So there's also this place where in my community, I feel like I know I can ask, too. Like, I know if I get into trouble, I have 12 different neighbors, I can say, hey can you give me a lift to go pick up my car, (laughs) you know, or like there's that feeling like that you can ask, but there's also that feeling of when you're nourished by a community, there's that place where I want to give, I want to do volunteer work. I want to look for what's my contribution back to this community um, because I'm receiving so much just from, the nourishment we generate when we get together and do theater. See now, how do I do theater is Wakefield theater. We have an amateur theater company. That's lots of fun.
0: I think this connects with healing trauma. That's both ancestral or work with family constellations. Can you talk a little bit about how you began to Mm -hmm. do this work? Yeah.
1: Trauma. It feels like it's becoming such a buzzword out there, but you know what? That's a good thing because it's so important and it's, it's kind of sort of really fundamental to who we are as humans, right? Trauma really is about how it's stored in the nervous system and the body. And because we work directly with the body and the nervous system in craniosacral therapy, um, one of Peter's books, I think, was at one of the seminars and I picked it up. But, you know, I also want to say, I feel like the universe led me into that work. Um, I was in a relationship when I was in my kind of late 30s and such a beautiful human being with such a good heart, but oh my goodness, that relationship was just nightmarish. (laughs) And I didn't know until afterwards, until I started studying trauma, I didn't understand what I was seeing, which was this lovely human being um, had a a severely traumatic childhood. And what was happening in our relationship was constant traumatic reenactment Um, this person had PTSD, but I didn't know that's what it was. And, you know, when you can separate the reenactment and kind of, you'll say the symptoms of that person's trauma from the human being, it doesn't mean you can't fix them. They need trauma therapy, but it it certainly, it makes it, it depersonalizes what's happening and it just makes it easier to understand it. So I want to say bless that person because I feel like he was on my path to, um, moved me into that. And I am so happy I studied somatic experience. I mean, as as profound as my education was over four years at the Brennan School, when I started studying somatic experience, I feel like it was like this key that opened this door. Because not only then was I looking, I say looking, I'm not seeing with my eyes, but perceiving um, people's energy field. I was like, oh, I'm watching the nervous system. What's it doing? Okay, 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 okay. I just feel like I can help people so much more. Um, and it's also moved it to this place where when I was just doing energy healing, I would talk a little bit because we're trained at the Brendan School really to be, we're not trained as therapists, but we're trained with that awareness of like, look, if you're in someone's energy field, you're in their deepest life issues, you're gonna need to be able to talk about that. You're not a therapist, but so is what you're working with. It means somatic experiencing, soma, body, Experience it. It's done through what Peter calls the felt sense, just being able to feel sensation in your body, which is first level of the energy field. It's your etheric body. So guiding clients that way, it also connects them with their energy field. So it's like, I'm really getting them to do the unblocking of their energy field, getting them to contact the blocks. So it feels more like they get the empowerment and the education and they're learning that they can do this. Uh, it's less like fixing and more like teaching and more like
0: engaging them in the empowerment. And I like that. How is it that you get people to feel things that they have been probably spending a good portion of their life avoiding feeling? This is part
1: of the art of somatic experiencing, right? Is, is knowing how to, um, I mean, what the nervous system needs, first of all, primary, it needs the right conditions, to, to start to work on this stuff. So let me tell you, the client's nervous system will assess you, first of all, to see if you are safe. <laughs> and if you haven't, you could say done enough personal work yourself or your own nervous system isn't calm enough for them to attune to, they won't do the work. It's not they're trying to be stubborn. It's just they their system knows they're not safe enough. I know it's really scary for people to think about touching into those places again, but that's the beauty of the work that's been developed is first of all, the conditions nervous system needs is slowness. Trauma happens quickly, right? It's usually some, it's too much, too fast for the system to process. So we slow everything way down and we just, we touch in and we do little bits and the other art of it is we go into where it's difficult and, people are usually already feeling it anyways. Usually the first place they go into when they feel the body is like, oh, that tense neck, oh, that aching shoulder, oh, that heaviness in my heart. That's the block right there. But we have to go into it and go away from it. So there there is a lot of, I will call it art to, to it. And very, you know, what I discovered about, I mean, I feel like I'm quite good at the work, but that also comes from a lot of practice, but it's also from years of observing people's energy fields. I'm able to be like, oh, yeah, that's too much. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that's good, right? To so being attuned with the clients very important and just
0: gauging how much they can do. Um, yeah. Do you see a lot of common themes in the different clients that you see with respect to trauma or collective trauma even?
1: I mean, most of the people I work with are really smart, professional women who may have a, probably a secret inclination towards spiritual practices that they're probably not talking about at work. A lot of them say they feel like they're the weird one. And like, what are you talking about? This is normal stuff, but you know, they're, they're doing tarot on the side or they've done Reiki, but they, they probably have a professional career. A lot of them would rather be healers, but they're, they're trying to make that leap, but they're all people who've usually done some therapy. Um, you know, these are smart professional women. They've, they've, they're into personal development. They've done some therapy. They've explored that. They've done different things and they've done a lot of learning and they've done great work there, but it just hasn't gone deep enough because you can't talk trauma out of the body because it lives in the body and the nervous system. So, And then the layer of the family constellations layer, which is the inherited family trauma, psychotherapists aren't trained in that and there's all kinds of so interesting dynamics we see play out that live at that level and you kind of miss a whole level of of that so common themes they're all usually pretty stressed out because they're really competent overachievers who've taken on too much (laughs) and what happens is then that starts to jangle all the stuff underneath that hasn't been excavated yet which is why everybody's very busy right now because covid did that brilliantly right so much fear in the air and suddenly all the latent trauma that maybe you've been managing over top of for a really long time and stress levels go up and now the symptoms and you're just your system has too much there's too much load and you're you're really feeling it right and um so that's definitely a collective thing
0: what does healing look like it
1: looks a lot like all those wonderful case studies that you share in your podcast series. I think those are great where you give examples of how someone goes from one place to another. Um, And I have to say, I think that's why I'm addicted to my work because it's, it's, it's so beautiful to witness someone unlayering this stuff and, and realizing that's not who they are. You know, Peter Levine himself, he relates it to like a hero's journey of of reclaiming the empowerment and the who you really are out from underneath all this kind of stuff that gets packed in there. I mean, what is healing really for me? I think it's the courage to touch those places where the wounds or the blocks or the trauma bound trauma and the energy is and have the courage to touch it and and learn and experience that something else can happen that you know that that can unfold and something different can happen things can feel different um it can be transformed and then people's lives change they start making different choices I'm, I'm thinking of a client I just saw this morning who she's she's setting boundaries in her life for the first time you know because her her trauma had taught her I must be there for everybody. I must let people invade my boundary and take what they need and take, take, take all the time. And now she's like, you know, and she just, she feels relief. Her low back pain's going away because she's not carrying everybody's load. Um, She's just feeling more peace and more access to her creative potential, which is quite awesome because she's not draining herself with all these other interactions.
0: And today on The Shaman's Notebook, my guest has been healer Shelley Harrison, who is the founder of True Nature Healing. If people want to know more about your work, and perhaps connect to many of the programs you're doing, where can they go?
1: Yeah, just visit my website. It's truenaturehealing.ca. Everything you need to know is right there. Shelley.Harrison.healer is my Instagram handle.
0: But <laughs> Just one last question is there a key to make somebody able to release mm-hmm. old trauma and move forward
1: hmm. gentleness yeah yeah we're so hard on ourselves all the time and and it's just like approach yourself gently and uh i think and you know when that's what i help people do right go let's let's go okay we're gonna go to that place you never want to revisit again, or that's scary, but we're going to be gentle. And guess what? Like, we can even be playful about it. It's like there's other things can happen, but we're going to be very respectful, and very gentle.
0: Thank you so much for being a guest today on the Shaman's Notebook.
1: Thanks for having me, Suzanne. It's been a pleasure.
0: My name is Suzanne LeGrand. Each week on the Shaman's Notebook, I bring you new perspectives on healing from energy healers, shamans and artists who are transforming the world. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and let us know what you think by leaving a comment. Thanks.